Hello and welcome to Mac Bytes episode 31. I'm Mike Thomas and I'm here with my co-host Elaine Giles. And this week we'll take a look at the newly released iTunes 9, we'll look at iPhone OS 3.1 and how a software update almost caused domestic strife here at MacBytes headquarters. But first, let's catch up with other events from the past week. So, who broke Busy Cal again? Uh, that would be me. But it did win me the Obscure Bug of the Week award. Really? Care to explain? Oh, it was a good one. It was a good one. I had some um, something I've never done before. I've had uh, some appointments in BusyCal. And what BusyCal can do that iCal can't is uh, you can attach a graphic to them. Well, at first I thought I can't see me wanting to do that. But then these events came up and they were appropriate for a graphic. So I looked around for a graphic and the best one I had was actually an ICO file um, off the website that these appointments were attached to. So I downloaded the ICO file, which is an icon file, and I dragged and dropped it into the uh, relevant field in the info panel and um, everything was fine. Uh, they appeared where they should do in month view, which is where I prefer to be. And uh, everything was fine in said panel until I clicked on another one and then came back to it to just check the address. Um, and I found that the graphic was fine in the calendar view, but in said panel, it was upside down. Bizarre. I know. That was a really good one, wasn't it? So I suggested that I, I definitely deserved some sort of award for that, for finding that one. So, um, Yeah, the guys at BusyCal agreed with me on that, didn't they? They did. Yes, it was a good one. They did know about it. They thought they were going to sneak it past me, but they weren't. Can't sneak anything past you, can we? You're the beta tester from hell. I am indeed. Oh, I should charge for my services. I'm so good. Mm. Well, one thing that we didn't uh, mention last week when we talked about Snow Leopard installations. Oh, yes. During the account creation process, I noticed that it popped up a message saying it's contacting Apple. Now, you're used to seeing that during the mobile me or the Apple ID check phase. But this isn't uh, the bit I'm talking about. This is actually during the creation of the primary account on the computer. And I'm sure I've never seen it do that before. And, uh, no, it, it, I haven't. It kind of whizzed past that fast that I thought, did I actually see that then? And I made a point of looking uh, and checking when I in did my other installations. And that's exactly what it's doing. It's saying it's contacting Apple and I don't know why. Yeah, it makes you wonder what information they're actually sending, if any, or is it just a message that's coming up? I would hope they weren't sending any information. Uh, I don't think at that point you've actually put your mobile me information in. And even if you had, you don't want to get a message to say I'm contacting some third party when you've put in your username and password for your private computer. So um, I'd like to know what it's doing during that time. Uh, and I couldn't find out. No, I've had a look. I've had a Google and uh, nothing came up. But uh, I've had an issue with QuickTime X or is it QuickTime 10? Um, debatable. I, I'd say QuickTime 10, but... I think it depends who you speak to, doesn't it? Well, it's so OS I, X. Oh, I was going to say that. It's OS X, OS X. Again, depends who you speak to. But, uh, yeah, I had a problem with QuickTime X this week. Uh, I use the Elgato 264, as you know. Uh, what I tend to do is convert ITV programs to M4Vs. One, I can then play them on the phone. And two, they're a lot smaller. And once I've converted them, I then check them by opening them up in QuickTime because there was a version of the uh, Elgato software, the ITV software, that uh, you ended up with no soundtrack. That was a few months back. They did, they did fix it. And I used to use QuickTime 7, but now I use uh, QuickTime X. And what I did, what I do, is I just double click each uh, M4V in the finder um, to, to play it and sort of play, play the first few seconds, drag the, the bar along, make sure it's ended properly. And to save time, I don't open one up, play it, close it down, open the next one up, play it, close it down. So I tend to open up a few files. Now in QuickTime 7, although I actually had several videos playing at the same time, the audio would actually only be coming from the active one. It's as if the other ones were muted. But with QuickTime X, in fact, I'm going to call it QuickTime 10, I, I think. wish you would. <laughs> really putting me off 10, this. <laughs> if I do the same, the other videos don't mute. So you have these you have half dozen videos and all the soundtracks flying at you. And 
Yes, I've really heard weird. the cacophony. There is actually nothing in the preferences. There are actually no preferences. Yeah, but there is actually a new free downloadable app called QuickTime 10 Player Preference Pane. And that's available from Mac Update. I'll stick the a link in the show notes for that. I installed it, um, but it didn't actually help. The options in there didn't actually help. Funnily enough, QuickTime 7, which does have um, some preferences, has an option, just a tick box, that says, uh, do you want to play the sound just from the frontmost window? I'm not actually a huge fan of QuickTime 10. Um, I'm, I'm not overly sold on the interface either. Um, it's a lot more modern, but as I said last week, things that fade in and fade out, um, you know, they're not there all the time. They annoy me. And uh, I can't drag the controller out of the window. I think I'd probably have it sat underneath. Um, there is a solution. It's not pretty. Um, you could use Audio Hijack Pro to hijack the QuickTime 10 player, um, which I thought, that's the easiest way to do it. When I actually tried it, which I knew it would work, but you've got to try these things anyway. Um, QuickTime 10 has got to be run in 32-bit mode to be hijacked at the moment. So uh, then it needs to quit and restart and restart in 32-bit mode. So um, it's not pretty and um, it's not good that it's got to restart either. It's not. And it's, uh, it's a sledgehammer to crack a nut, really, isn't it? So you're going to go back to QuickTime 7 and be done with it? I am. I'm going to stick with QuickTime 7 for that particular job. Well, I've been looking at a feature this week that I've been using ever since I got a Mac. Um, it was there on Tiger. It was definitely there on Leopard. And I use it all the time. And that's the zooming of the screen. Um, even without zooming enabled in universal access in your system preferences, you can hold the control key down. And if you've got um, a wheel on your mouse, you can zoom in and out. And it's really fantastic for those of us who demo stuff on their Macs like we do all the time. And um, I'd got used to having to hold the mouse very steady once I'd zoomed in, because what was happening in Leopard and Tiger was if you move the mouse once you're zoomed in, uh, the zoom changes. So it doesn't carry on zooming in and out, but it does move slightly. So if you move the mouse to the right, the image on the screen moves to the right. Um, and I'd not really fiddled with it, to be honest, because it just worked. So as long as I held the mouse steady, I was fine. But I noticed in Snow Leopard that they've changed the default or they've added the option. Um, the default is now not to move the view once you've zoomed in. So once you've used your control and scroll where you've um, zoomed into a particular part of the screen, it now locks it on the screen. So when you release... Um, the mouse, you can move the mouse around and point to various things because by definition, you're, if I'm using it to demonstrate things, um, it would be very handy to be able to actually move the mouse and point to something. And I can now do that. If I need to move, so I'm seeing a different part of the screen, you just take your mouse over to the edges of the screen, which is a long way on two 24 inch screens, but um, it does work. And uh, I found that is absolutely brilliant now when I'm demoing stuff so I can actually move the mouse now and not worrying about making the viewers seasick. Yeah, I was just going to use the word seasick there. Um, I was watching your screen. You were showing me something and you, you, you zoomed in and then I saw what you were doing. And I, I had to do a double take and I had to try it myself. And then we both turned around and said, you know, did you notice that? It didn't used to do that. Yeah, because every time I used it, it's a feature I do use a lot when I'm demoing stuff. Um, I don't change my screen resolution when I'm demoing. So uh, when I do one of these online demonstrations, um, it's a 24-inch screen that I'm sending. So uh, it will probably look very small um, on the recipient screen. So, uh, But Connect seems to handle it very well. So um, what I do is I do zoom in and I get let people have a real good look at the dialogue box. And I just got used to holding it very steady. But um, the fact that it now stays there... I think it's going to make the demonstrations easier as well. Um, what you can do, um, the option you will find in System Preferences, Universal Access, Seeing, Zoom Options. It's a long way down. And uh, there's an option there when zoomed in the screen image moves. And then there are three options. So the screen Im image can move continuously with the pointer. And that was the old default. Um, only when the pointer reaches an edge of the screen. That's the new default. And so the pointer is at or near the center of the image. And um, I've kind of avoided that one completely. So um, I would say the best if you're using this for demonstration purposes is only when the pointer reaches an edge. 
and that way um, it holds steady. Now I've actually got the zooming using the keyboard shortcuts turned off in the preferences uh, but you can still zoom using the control key and the, the mouse wheel. So just changing that default I found has made the whole thing a lot easier to use. So um, good tip in Snow Leopard there. It is, and I love the Zoom, so much so that I've tried using it on a Windows box. But You try using work. all sorts on a Windows I box do. and not much of it works. I tried using default folder on a Windows box and it doesn't work. But talking, <laughs> of, talking of default folder, you're a strange one tonight. The checkbox that causes the screen to dim so that you can select the desktop or an open finder window seemed to magically untick itself. It did. Um, it has happened before, but that's why I know that it has been working because uh, I've been using it since I installed Snow Leopard. And as I said uh, when we were talking about preparing for Snow Leopard, I take screenshots of all my preferences. So um, I get them up when I install an app and I set everything the same and I've been using it this week. And um, yes, it had magically unticked itself. I'd not updated it or anything. And um, it, it had just unticked itself. But uh, I was also having another problem as well. So um, I didn't go in and change anything because of this one. I know I didn't, but uh, it's still an odd one. When I've got um, Pathfinder open, and Pathfinder is not set to be the default for anything. I really only open Pathfinder when I'm doing some heavy lifting with files. But when Pathfinder's open and you select a recent folder from the drop down on your menu, um, there's a default folder icon you can elect to have on your menu. And when you do, you get a list of recently accessed folders. So I find it useful to go up there, click on the folder and it should open in a finder window. But with Pathfinder open, um, it opens it in Pathfinder not Finder, and I find that very annoying. Um, if I've got Pathfinder open, I probably have it open in a different space, and I'm doing a job with it, and I don't expect to... Um, well, I don't expect default folder to do two different things depending on what other applications are open, to be honest. It seems like Pathfinder's taken over control without you actually saying take over control. Yeah, there are a lot of options in Pathfinder, a huge amount of options. And I've been through them all this morning trying to solve it for you. <laughs> I, I gave up with that one. I, I couldn't uh, because I, I haven't enabled it to be the default and I haven't told default folder to use it either. So um, neither of them are supposed to know about each other. They seem to be doing something illicit behind my back. And um, another issue I've been having, finder related, is um, I wanted to create a new folder on the desktop. Yes, I know I shouldn't, but I was intending to move it straight away honest. And um, I've been unable to edit the folder name immediately. It's just not editable. Um, I've seen it before. So what happens is you, you create a folder uh, and it says untitled folder, but it's not editable. It doesn't, um, the name of it isn't selected. Now, obviously you can click once to make it editable. Um, where I've seen it before is where I've had a quick look folder plugin installed. That caused complete havoc, so I uninstalled it. Um, and I've seen it in Finder where I've had show icon preview enabled as well. And what happens then is as soon as you make a, a folder, it's trying to preview it. So it takes you out of file edits, um, editing the name mode, which is fine. Um, so I went in and I disabled it because um, that is turned on on my desktop by default. And it made no difference at all. So I, I was trying to make new folders and putting files on there and I was still getting exactly the same. I couldn't edit it. Um, but what I found was uh, if I enabled the option and disabled it a few times, so toggled it on and off, it did work. So uh, what I found with that was if, if anybody's got the same problem, um, you click your desktop, you go to view, show view options or command and J, which is far easier. And um, there'll be an option in there. And if you turn off show icon preview, turn it on and off a few times, like the old uh, IT joke, isn't it? Have you turned it off and on again? Um, and it worked. So I turned it off and on again and it did work. Very, very strange. Because all I was doing was setting it back to exactly what it was to start with. But it worked that time. Strange, because I didn't need to do any of that. It just worked for me. But yeah, I'll, I'll know how to sort it if it uh, does start misbehaving. That's good news. It is. Well, couple of funnies from Microsoft this week. You can always rely um, on Microsoft for a couple of funnies. Yeah, they're, at, they're sponsoring global launch parties for Windows 7, which is set for release uh, late next month. To enhance the, the festivities, they'll be supplying Windows 7 themed bags, puzzles, napkins, playing cards. I wonder if the Joker will be in there. Yeah, it's got Bill Gates on it. <laughs> 
<laughs> balloons and more. The website uh, that provides details for these launch parties includes a photograph of some young people having fun at a launch party crowded around a laptop. Now, this laptop didn't have the Apple logo photoshopped out. Really? So, uh, yeah, I'm assuming it's, it's a proper Windows laptop, I'm assuming. <laughs> Um, there are balloons pinned to the wall as well, um, you know, proper party atmosphere. However, the balloons have been mysteriously photoshopped out on all the non-USA versions. Although, to give Microsoft some credit, they haven't made the mistake, same mistake as last time, and all the photographs do contain a mix of uh, genders and races. Oh, completely politically correct, was it? Yes, it looked like the United Colours of Benetton adverts. <laughs> And uh, staying with Microsoft, as we do for our humour. Um, yes, talk about take a holiday to install your operating system. Now, we did that with Apple, but um, it was totally coincidental. But um, I read a piece this week. Unbelievable. Um, a Microsoft systems engineer has uh, posted some results of some tests that they themselves have performed um, to calculate the upgrade time of a Windows 7 box. And the worst case scenario that they could come up with was that it would take over 20 hours. Um, they do say a clean install of a 32-bit version on what they call a high-end system should only take 30 minutes. But um, this long-winded one was on mid-end hardware of a super user. And they called a super user somebody who had 650 gig of data and 40 applications. Now, I've got over 300 applications, and um, I did try and calculate how much data, but I gave up counting at 8 terabytes. Uh, and they reckoned that a 32-bit install of that would take 20 hours. So I thought, well, right, how long would it take if I had low-end hardware? Because obviously my Windows stuff is very old now. If I was a super user with only 650 gig of data and only 40 applications, and there's no result for that, so I can only assume it's still running. Yeah, it's uh, it, it, I'm sure it is still running. I'm sure you'd need a fortnight's holiday, never mind a week's holiday on that one. I'm thinking with my data and my apps, possibly take from now till Christmas off. Mm. Well, that makes you a super, 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 super user. Of course. Doesn't it? That makes me well, a Mac user. It does, of course. <laughs> of course, the big event of the week was the Will They or Won't They Be an iTunes Apple event. And, of course, I'm referring to the Beatles. Oh, please. Well, I don't care. Buy a CD. What's the panic? But then that's only me. You know, I don't care, right? No, exactly. I really don't care. But there are some people that do. A gang of us actually gathered together in the MacBytes chat room, all with different websites loaded, all pressing refresh, watching some update and some crash. Uh, and in general, I don't think any of us were actually that impressed with uh, what Apple came up with, were we? Um, pretty much felt like a non-event for those who were there. We, we were more consoling each other. Yeah, uh, put it like this. Jane didn't need any lullabies to nod off to sleep. And it was two o'clock in the morning over in Oz, wasn't it? Neither did I. And it was only seven o'clock in the evening here. Mm. So uh, what did we make of it? Well, iTunes 9, um, there was a few cosmetic changes. Yep, tiny things like the icons for the playlists have subtly changed and the cog and the musical note are now lower on the left-hand side. I mean, mm. important stuff, eh? So much that I didn't actually notice. I indeed. You had to point it out to me. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, the, the volume slider is apparently now paler in colour. Oh, isn't it exciting? Um, well, I've got iTunes on my secondary monitor, I always do have, and... It doesn't look good at all. Um, the shading on the title bar, uh, the, the 3D effect, it doesn't seem to match the other applications and it actually looks very poor. Now, obviously my secondary monitor is not the same as my main monitor. Um, it's, it's not an Apple one for a start, but um, it just doesn't look good at all. I have heard others saying the same thing, so I don't think it's my imagination either. Well, just for you listeners, uh, I've actually gone through iTunes and looked at a lot of options I often don't work with. For example, I, I don't use Grid View. I tend to stick with List View. That's, that's just me. But in Grid View, you now have the option to hide or display the tabs. You know, at the, at the top when you're in, um, well, uh, the other views in, in the old iTunes, you had like albums, artists, genres and composers. Uh, well, now you can go to view, grid view, 
and you have hide or show headers and that hides and displays the tabs. But if you hide the header, you don't get that scroller that resizes the thumbnails. Do you know, I'm not sure if I'm in grid view or list view. I think I'm in list view most of the time. Yeah, as I say, I'd, I'd say, certainly work in list view. That's just the, the view I prefer. Anyway, what do you think of the uh, the new white being the new black? It's horrible. I hate it. It's just too garish. Uh, it's like being blinded. It's felt like I've had snow blindness all week at Matchbytes HQ. Um, I think they could at least have made it an option. I actually liked the black, um, but it, it looked better. Um, I would, If there was an option, I would probably make it black. But it did actually look a lot better than the white, I think. Yeah, it just doesn't look right. It looks, to me, it looks too plain. Um, I don't know why. It just looked better, more stylish, I think. You know the old tri-pane uh, browser that you had at the top? I didn't show that too much because it took up too much room. Yeah, I didn't either. Uh, but as I said, I, I have played around this week with it uh, just to see what's new, what's different. Uh, but that is now called the column browser, uh, which you can still have it across the top, but you can now also have it down the left hand side. It actually appears just to the right of the playlist. Yeah. Now, that's strange because I know when I first installed it, um, I had what is now I now know is the column browser turned on and you didn't. And yet we started off from the same point. Mm, it took me an age to actually find it. Well, I didn't dare turn it off because I thought, I have no idea where this option is. So uh, we had a different effect there when we installed, didn't we? We did. And uh, there was almost an Elaine rant over the green plus button, wasn't there? Oh, there has been an Elaine rant over the green plus button. You've just missed it. Um, the green button no longer uh, makes um, a restored window or you know a windowed version of uh, iTunes into a mini player. Now you can option click said green button and that makes it a mini player. But why? Why? Um, if, I, if I'm in mouse mode and I want to click that button, I don't want to have to find the keyboard to do it with. Um, I do use my mouse. Sometimes I've got music playing while I'm doing something else. And I, if I'm doing something else, I might have the desk stacked high with books. So I only want to use the mouse. And um, adding in a key is ludicrous because you can also uh, activate the mini player with Command Shift and M, which again is a change. Um, I believe they've changed that from Command Shift and Z. Uh, Z was definitely involved. I, I didn't use the shortcut key. If I'm using iTunes, I expect to click the green button and that turn on the mini player and it's not doing. And I, I, it just makes no sense to me that. It really makes no sense to me. Why change something like that? People either got used to it or they didn't know that's what it did, in which case, no harm to them. Um, so why change it? I really don't know. I totally agree. It's like, um, you know, we've brought this out, so we've got to change something. So let's let's change Command Shift and Z to Command Shift and M. So, you know, everyone has to learn a new shortcut. What's the point? Well, maybe if they want to allocate that, if they want to standardise the keyboard shortcuts, fair enough. But surely those three buttons are for people in mouse mode, just like any other application. You are in mouse mode. And I know in other applications it may um, make the window as big as the screen, um, but it generally acts as a toggle. And it toggles between the previous two states that you've had the window, which in my case is either the mini player or a full screen view. And it just makes no sense. In, in a way, the, what they've done is they've made it two different shortcut keys, as far as I'm concerned. It's just that one is um, Command Shift and M, which is totally shortcut keys. And the other one, you need to use your mouse to make it work. And I don't like either of those, to be honest. I would rather that uh, went back to the way it was. So I'm going to have to be looking at um, some serious hacking, I think, to get it back the way it should work. I think that's ridiculous. I was really hoping it was broken and they might fix it, but I don't know. Something that I do actually like, uh, now we've had our little rant, is the fact that you can sync uh, artists and genres and individual episodes of shows and podcasts and individual movies. Oh, I think the so, syncing is greatly improved. You're right yeah. there don't think you could do that in the last version. Uh, something strange that happened to me with, with playlists. I've got a playlist which is called underscore to listen. And uh, it used to appear under the music section. So I could just tick it and it would uh, sync to the phone. Um, but now 
it uh, it appears still under the music section. But the other playlists I've got are similar, like underscore to watch, which is TV programs and things I want to watch on the phone. Uh, and I've got another one which is called underscore podcast audio, which is um, a, a smart playlist, which is all my audio podcasts. Those are found in the podcast tab. So there's something not right there. Unless that's right. Well, it could be right. It could just be me. But that means I've got to go to two places now to tick two boxes to sync. Mm, true. Because to listen isn't actually music, it's podcasts. And it was in the music <laughs> section. Anyway. If that's the biggest problem you found, I don't think you've got too much of a problem. Wait till you hear mine. Well, it's problems for me. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, piece of good news was that, and I don't know if it was iTunes 9 or if it was the new um, iPhone OS 3.1, but remember a few weeks ago I was uh, I was ranting not as much a rant as you, obviously, but I was ranting about playlists on the phone um, not being in correct alphabetical order. Uh, and the ones that begin with an underscore appear down the bottom. Well, now they appear at the top. So they were at the top, then they were at the bottom and now they're back at the top. Yeah, they're where I want them. You do so realise what that means, don't you? I have high hopes if I moan enough about uh, my shortcut key and, and my uh, green plus, they might put it back to do what it should do. Mm. I shall just have space. to keep going on about it. Watch this space for iTunes 10. Oh, I don't have to wait that long, do I? They come round to my way of thinking in the end. Look at iCal. True. There, uh, there have been some reports about slow syncing. I haven't experienced it, I must be honest, touch wood. Um, but some people um, have actually talked about it being slow to sync uh, back to the bad old days. And uh, I actually turned off the automatic syncing and automatic backup in the, uh, the, the first um, version of the, the iPhone because it was so slow. Now, I think one reason... Uh, is that there's this new feature called automatically fill sp free space with songs. Can't think which, of anything worse, but carry on. Which, you know, if you've only got a few gig and you can't choose what songs you want to play or have on your phone, then it does sound good. But when the automatically fill free space with songs option is checked, what it does is it fills up the free space on the phone during the first sync and when syncing again, all the songs that were copied during the previous sync are deleted and the fill up of the now free space begins again. So basically the free space is refilled over and over, which takes ages every time you sync the phone. And uh, that is most annoying and needs to be quickly fixed by Apple. Well, to be honest with that, I think it makes more sense for an iPod if you've got... Um an iPod and you want it to take music with you and you want to take a variety of music with you, that makes more sense. I think on a phone, what if you want to buy something when you're out uh, from iTunes and, it, and your iPhone was full? Um, also about saving data and things like that. I like to leave, I, I mean, it's nowhere near full mine, but I think I'd, I'd leave at least a gig free um, to give it some room to play with itself. Otherwise, um, that's very, very inappropriately worded. I was just going to <laughs> But you know what I mean. You know what I, I know mean. What you mean. Mm, yeah, so I'm sure the listeners will know what I mean. Um, I just, I just do. You know how your computer slows down um, if the hard drive gets full and progressively fuller. It wouldn't even let you get to uh, having it totally full before it was uh, complaining vehemently to you. So um, I, I think on a phone that's um, very dangerous. Mm. Stop sniggering. Comment. No, I'm, I'm thinking about something else that I'm just about to say. Great comment that I, uh, I read on a forum as I was uh, reading up about some of this. Uh, since installing Windows 7, my iPhone sync now takes two hours. Is this before, after or during the 20 hours it takes to install Windows 7? <laughs> mm, say no more. <laughs> well, I noticed um, there was a new category. Uh, there's now an iTunes U category. Um, it needs enabling. It's uh, turned off by default. Um, but I think that works really well. Um, I've got a few things from iTunes U that uh, I'm working through. Um, the nearest analogy to how it works, I'd say, is podcasts. Um, you turn it on. Uh, you have a totally separate view that you can manage your iTunes U content. You can also, from um, your your list of content, get straight to iTunes U on the store as well. 
So um, that's working pretty well for me. Um, there is a new folder structure, more of which later, lots more of which later. And uh, you would have, will find in there, uh, if you've elected to use that, that there is an iTunes U folder. So it's um, all much better organised, I'd say. So I think that's uh, an improvement overall. Yeah, I've not used this uh, iTunes U before, so I'd uh, not noticed it was there. Now, buy and download using one click and uh, buy using a shopping cart are no longer available in the preferences. Well, one click purchasing is now really the default. Um, that's all you've got to do because the shopping cart is now a wish list. So it's much more standard. It's um, more like Audible or Amazon. That's, that sounds better, doesn't it? Um, I don't tend to use the wish list too much. Um, I, I'm a bit odd like that, uh, but I think I, sh I probably should because rather than rerun searches, so um, I shall definitely be adding things to it. But uh, I think I've had one too many iTunes bill this week. <laughs> yeah, so, I must uh, admit when I first went on Audible, I, I kept rerunning searches and then I discovered the wish list. So I put lots of things on there. Another thing I heard this week, but uh, I just haven't had the chance to confirm, is that Apple are supposed to have changed the file format of the voice memos recorded on the phone from Apple lossless to 80k AAC audio. Um, now, they were fairly large files, I was finding. Just for a few seconds, you could end up with the 4 meg. So uh, if they've taken down the quality, um, I would imagine it's because it's taking up too much space. So um, I shall have to come back to you on that one. I've not actually confirmed that myself yet. Not had chance. And um, Dan on my Twitter feed made a very good point. Um, he said that iTunes 9 won't open the store until Safari 4.0.3 is installed. Um, and in Dan's case, he still had the beta installed, uh, beta 4 um, of Safari. Now, that's going to really upset some people who are still running the beta because they like the tabs at the top. So uh, now you've got a problem that uh, you won't be able to go to the store with the tabs at the top. So you're going to just have to accept that these tabs need to be moved back to where they belong, I would say. But I'm sure there are people out there who prefer them at the top. That's um, opening a can of worms. I know, I know. But I got away with a can of worms I opened last week. So I'm on a roll here. Um, but there was still a gotcha. Uh, as well as um, you can't open the store without 4.0.3, uh, you can't install 4.0.3 of Safari without updating to 10.5.7. This is beginning to sound very Windows-ish to me. So um, complete system update required there to um, make that work. And uh, I also noticed that um, inadvertently I hit the F8 key which is um, the play pause button. And I'm pretty sure that uh, when I had when I didn't have iTunes open, it didn't do a thing. And now it opens iTunes and starts playing. So I don't know if you've tried that one. I've not tried that one. No. You're maybe not just just not as klutz fingered as I am. Could be. You need to try it. <laughs> but something that I did find really, really useful. And I think we'd all heard about it in the the, uh, the, the lead up to it, is the application arranger for the phone and the touch. I think that's the best feature. And it lets you move whole pages um, of apps around. So if you've got stuff on page four, for example, of your phone or your apps, you could move that up to page three or page two or whatever. Uh, you can move individual apps around because I used to do it on the phone regularly. I'd install stuff and then I think, no, that one needs to move to page one because I use that more. And uh, I've got four Twitter clients on my phone on page one. And then I'm thinking, well, do I really need four Twitter clients on the the, the, the first page of my uh, my phone? And I used to move them around. And then, of course, I'd install a new app and sometimes it'd move everything around. So this is a really really great way of being able to reconfigure apps. Uh, and I also took the opportunity to, to dump quite a few apps as well. If you were sitting there rearranging those apps on the phone, you must have had more time than good for you. Um, I gave up trying to rearrange them on the phone. Um, and when OS 3 came out for the phone, um, just use the search feature and then it didn't matter where they were. I did dive straight into the app arranger uh, it was touted as the the feature, so uh, I dived in there, and um, yes, I rearranged all my apps, and I even left spaces on some pages, sorted it all out, uh, put the to dump stuff on on the the lower pages, did actually uninstall some stuff. Net Newswire is history, um, and it all seemed very logical when it was in iTunes, and then I synchronized it to the phone, and now I can't find a thing, because 
there's like a memory muscle going on. You know, I knew where it was. And despite the fact it's in a more logical place now, it's still going to take me some time to get used to it. But um, if that's the best feature, then I think home sharing runs it a very close second. Um, I was a, a bit sort of nonplussed with that, but I tried it and it's really simple to use. And um, how shall I put this very delicately? It's um, cost effective with respect to some applications from the App Store, if you're with me. Um, the idea, I guess, is to make it easy to share items, purchased or otherwise, between computers. Once the computers are authorised, it's really simple. Uh, the shared libraries appear in the shared section and whatever content you want locally, you just select and then hit the import button. And um, I've tried it and it did work very, very well. So I was quite impressed with that. I, I thought that was something I wasn't, had, didn't really have a need for. But um, I can certainly see a need for it or a use for it. Yeah, the only issue seemed to be that you've got to uh, authorise both copies of the iTunes with the same store account. But that's the whole point. <laughs> that is the whole point. Um, it, it is. It certainly says for, for personal use only. So um, it's not for sharing around the neighbourhood. And uh, it actually raised an interesting dilemma for me because uh, I first started using iTunes on a Windows machine um, around the time I got my first Mac, but I wasn't intending to use that as my main machine at the time. So I had iTunes authorised on my Windows machine and then I had it authorised on the first iMac we had. So I had two authorizations at that point. Um, then... You ended up with the 20 inch and I got another one. So I had a third authorization. And at this point, all those machines were actually up and working. And then the Windows machine died a sad death before I had chance to deauthorize it. Um, and your logic board blew. So that was another authorization that I couldn't then deauthorize. So um, I'd left it like that. I had uh, three authorizations left. So um, with less than three Macs or three Macs, that was perfectly adequate. So I never bothered going through the uh, option to deauthorize. Um, so, but I thought as I was sorting out iTunes, uh, sorting out, believe me, this was bad news sorting out, I'll tell you later. Um, I was going to sort out everything. So I thought, well, what I'll do is I'll deauthorize everything and then I'll reauthorize what I want and then I'll know which ones are authorized. And um, I went off to do it. And I know I've seen the option before and it had vanished. Now, it's still there, but uh, it's a bit sneaky and a bit odd. You've got to go to the iTunes store uh, in the menu on the left of iTunes. You've got to make sure that you're logged in and then you view your account. And then in the account information window, there is um, an option and a button that uh, the option explains it. And then the button says deauthorize all. And what that will do is it will deauthorize all the authorized computers. But it wasn't there. Now, I already knew you could only use the feature once a year. But it turned out that the deauthorize all button doesn't even appear if you have fewer than five authorized computers. Now, it also isn't there if you have used it within the last 12 months, which is possibly more acceptable. But I think it'd be nicer if it had a message and said, you know, you use this on X date. But to not show it at all if you've got less than five authorised seems illogical to me, because of what I'm trying to do, especially seeing as though they've brought out this feature of home sharing, I'm trying to logically sort out all my authorizations, And what it would force me to do is authorise five computers. Um, in total, because I can't deauthorize the ones that are actually dead. So I've got to re or I've got to authorize up to five machines. So I need to authorize a couple more. Then deauthorize all of them, and then go round and authorize the ones I want again, which is time-consuming and ludicrous. I really don't know why they don't do something like um, virtually everybody else with a cloud service. So Zumo Drive, Dropbox, Evernote, where you um authorize a computer and then you deauthorize it and you can do it as many times as you like that would make much more sense um, even if they kept an eye on you but uh, no I think that's a bit draconian and uh, it's going to give me problems I can't deauthorize the two that are dead so I'm going to have to authorize three more then deauthorize them and then reauthorize them don't you love that hey farce 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 another new feature is uh, automatically add to iTunes folder now, I assume that's like a watched folder, so that anything you dump in there is automatically added to iTunes. That's exactly how it works. Um, but you know, you should not have mentioned folders to me, should you? 
Uh, just let me get my tin hat because I feel a rant coming on. This one's a bad one. Yes, it wasn't all good news, apart from the fact that uh, the majority of people we spoke to were underwhelmed. Um, not straight away, but I discovered that iTunes 9 had balked my folder structure. Um, as everybody must know by now, I keep all my iTunes um, files. I won't say music anymore because uh, there's podcasts and other stuff in there, but they're all on an external drive and the control files are kept separately on my boot disk. And the external drive structure is really, really simple. Um, it's a dedicated drive dedicated to iTunes, which, given what happened, is just as well. Uh, and I had one folder in root called iTunes and everything was in there. Notice the was in there in that statement. Um, it's been like that since the library was on Windows and uh, I had a manual system using Winamp and uh, it was exactly the same system. So I know my way around these files and um, I moved them over to the Mac and that's the drive that's been updated every time there's been an update to iTunes and I've never had a problem with it until this one. Now, obviously, I installed it. I trusted Apple. <laughs> Silly me. Um, I didn't check the folder structure. Uh, I've got a backup, so it wasn't too much of a crisis. Or I didn't think it was going to be too much of a crisis. But you don't really want to be rolling back iTunes, um, to be honest. So I didn't check the folder structure after I'd updated. It had taken long enough to update to iTunes 9. Then I did the phone update to 3.1. And then I did the initial backup, and that took over an hour. So um, it was a while later when I just happened to go to the drive that contained my iTunes uh, data. And when I looked at the route, I nearly fell off the chair. I was absolutely horrified. It was just a complete mess. Um, this one folder that I had in route had acquired brethren. There are now 430 odd folders in route. And what they are, they're the names of artists. So... The installation at some point, and I did not change any option at all. I did nothing different than I've done before. It's moved some of the artist folders outside of the root folder for my iTunes um, data. So it's put some of them in root. So I thought, well, what it must have done is it must have got confused and it's using the root of the drive rather than the iTunes folder on the drive. So I went into the iTunes folder to find that half the things were still in there. And I thought, Oh, OK, then it's got halfway and changed its mind. So um, I really started to have a serious look at this and it got worse than that. Um, I found I did have a podcast folder in Root. I also had a podcast folder in the iTunes folder. Inside that, I had the names of podcasts in both places with half the podcasts in one, half the pod podcasts in the other. And I even found some orphaned files in the root of the iTunes folder. It was absolutely horrendous. And I did not do anything to make that happen. Uh, it did that all by itself. I can only assume it tried to implement the new structure. Now, the new structure is much improved by Apple. Instead of the default being iTunes Music, um, it's now iTunes. And within that, there is a music folder and an audiobooks folder and a podcast folder and an iTunes U folder and so forth. Everything is segmented. So it's a much better structure now that you've acknowledged that you use iTunes for much more than music. So I think the new structure is an improvement. So um, well done, Apple, for that. But for heaven's sake, either use it or don't use it. But don't start to upgrade it and then give up halfway and leave the data all over the place. Yeah, I've got new folders. I've got the uh, automatically add to iTunes folder, and that is inside my iTunes music folder, uh, which is in the root of my external drive. And that iTunes music folder is my main iTunes music folder. However, I haven't actually got a folder called music. Uh, what I've got uh, straight off my iTunes music folder is lots and lots of folders, as I had, in the old version and each folder is for a different artist so it does look like mine's bought too but just not as badly as yours mine is um horrendous now when i say horrendous it, it is working because itunes knows where the files are but they can't stay there because it's really neither one thing nor the other so i thought well i can always consolidate the libraries um you now have two options there's the old consolidate files option but there's also an option to upgrade to the new iTunes media organisation. Uh, 
So looking at what I had, I knew I needed to run that because although um, as soon as I started iTunes and I had it running for a couple of hours, it started downloading podcasts and it put those in what it considered to be the right place, which was the right place if you were using the new organisation structure, but not if you were using the old or it had balked it on installation. So at this point, it was either roll it back completely and start again. Now, I do have a fairly large library and that could be what caused the problem. It's 655 gig. Yes, I know it wouldn't fit on an iPod, um, but everything's in there. You know, like I say, I've got podcasts in there. I've got TV programs, films, you name it, which I think you should be able to. Um, that's what it's, it's sold to do that. Um, so my problem was I thought, well, first of all, I'm going to have to upgrade it to the new media organisation. So I did that. And that put folders in the right place and it didn't touch the ones that uh, were in the wrong place. I also had to manually do things. So I had to manually find these orphan files and put them in the folders they should have lived in. Then I had to move those folders, consolidate the folders where it had split them. So I had 50% in uh, of a folder in one place and 50% in the other. And sometimes it was just an odd file. So I had to manually move all those. And then I thought, and what I'll do now is consolidate the library. And it won't take long. It doesn't need to move it from one drive to another, which can take ages. Um, everything's on one drive. So all I really need to do is tell it to consolidate um, the library by moving the files. Simple. Simplicity itself. Bad move. Um, the consolidate option to clear up the mess just wouldn't work because... This 655 gig is on a one terabyte drive. And instead of being able to move the files, which would have solved the problem, the only option there was to copy them. So I thought, well, I'll go for it. You know, surely it'll have enough sense to realise that they're the same files. But no, it came back and told me there wasn't enough disk space. So at that point, I'd got two options. I could either use another one terabyte drive and consolidate the whole thing to that. Yeah, like you've got one terabyte drives hanging around doing nothing. Um, or I could manually sort the mess out. Oh, we had plenty of grumbling, didn't we? Well, I'm not surprised. Um, to be honest, I expected better from Apple than that. Um, that's why we upgrade straight away, because um, we trust that the upgrade will be OK. Yes, I had backups, but to use a backup, um, it really would be in the, the only time I really want to use a backup when you're talking 655 gig of data is when a drive's gone. So um, it's looking like I'm going to have to manually sort the mess out now. Um, the new folder structure, as I say, it is a huge improvement. There is a link that I'll put in the show notes to um, an explanation article on the Apple Knowledge Base, which was very helpful. Um, there's also another link linked to from that page, which um, was going to explain what to do in the case something went wrong. So I thought, oh, jolly good. Clicked on that and got a 404 error. So thanks for that. Um, I couldn't find I tried for three days with that and got nowhere. So uh, I'm sorting the mess out myself. Uh, one thing I noticed was that I'm not, I'm not at all sure this is an improvement. There is an audiobooks folder. Uh, previously, the audiobooks were stored in the Your iTunes Music folder um, and the author was made to be a folder. And then within the folder, um, each book from that author had its own folder. Uh, now there is an audiobooks folder. Within that, you will find each author has a folder. But within that folder, all the books just go in there. And I'm finding that's um, from a file management perspective, giving some odd results because of the track numbers. Um, iTunes automatically uses track numbers. Uh, and on, on books, you generally find one, two or three, maybe but uh, generally not more than that. So if you buy from iTunes or Audible, you might find a book, one of the larger books, split into uh, up to maybe five or six, but very few have more than that. And what I'm finding in those folders is um, all the O1s are at the top. So even if I have two halves to a book, whereas before they were in a folder of their own, they're now going to be um, in some weird organisation in this folder because all the first chapters will be at the top, followed by all the seconds and so forth. So I'm not too sure with that. Badly organised. And the track numbers, what I was finding, because I started with the audiobooks, I probably got more audiobooks than is good for me. And um, I started with those trying to manually put them in the right place. And it was working well, apart from as I was dragging and dropping them back in, 
which was ridiculous because they were already there. So all I was doing was, was moving them and then deleting the old copies. Um, I was finding that I was getting 010101. So it's a bit like your inbox, inbox, inbox. Um, and every time I added it, it added another 01 to the beginning of it. So that wasn't too helpful. So I went to the preferences, convinced that there was an option to turn that off. And I thought, what I'll do with it is I'll turn it off while I'm importing this stuff and then turn it back on again. But apparently the option um, was dropped in iTunes 8 and I hadn't noticed. Um, you used to be able to choose to name the tracks on import without adding the track numbers. Um, but that is no longer there. Now, the preference is still there, but it's hidden. So uh, if you don't want the track numbers at all, ever, then uh, there is a terminal command. So we'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. Uh, just a simple one line terminal command that will uh, disable the option. But um, I wanted to disable it and then re-enable it again. So I, I was pretty upset over that. I think there is another way. I think Doug's done a script. Um, I'll try and hunt out the uh, link for that as well. I tend to steer away from scripts. Um, the li my library is that big that if a script goes awry, I, I don't really want to be repairing it. So I do tend to stay away from that. Um, and you have to make your, sure your scripts are backed up as well, don't you? You do. You do. Mm. Can't imagine who, who wouldn't back up their scripts. That would be me. Mm. Mm. I also found in the music some very strange things as well. Um, because at this time it was disc numbers. Um, now, you handle yours in a different way to me. Um, I did handle it the way you did, and then I changed. If I have um, a music CD and it has two physical CDs, um, I was putting them in originally when I was using Winamp as two discs. So uh, one was like uh, whatever it was called, disc one, and the next one was whatever it was called, and disc two. And I noticed in iTunes that when you actually bought an album that is physically two CDs, um, that they treated it as a single album. So I went through and I updated all mine. And uh, how you separate them, it actually had the track numbers on disc one going from, say, one to 20. And on disc two, it went from one to 20. It didn't go from 21 to 40, say. So I did the same. And that the way it understood which belonged to CD1 and which belonged to CD2 was that there was a disc number. So you can put in this is disc one of two and this is disc two of two. And I swear everything used to work before I installed nine. Um, I could look at an album that had two physical CDs and they were in the right order. And now they're not. Now I've got track one, track one, track two, track two, etc, etc. So I'm a bit peeved with that. Now, you can fix it if you don't use the view that I prefer. <laughs> That'd be right, wouldn't it? Oh, I'm, I'm feeling victimised this week, you know. It was the installation that went awry that did it. Um, if you go in and you view just the album in question, then you can choose to sort by the disc number and that sorts the whole problem out. So you'll get all your one of twos and then all your two of twos. But um, it used to work and now it doesn't in the view that I use, which I think is the list view. I don't think it's the grid view. I think it's the list view. And um, it doesn't work anymore. So a bit peeved with that. But uh, they were my major headaches. And uh, my, my iTunes library is still, as we speak, a bit of a mess. It's going to take me a long time to sort that out, even dragging and dropping them, because I'm going to have to go through. And uh, when I've dragged and dropped them, it does import them. It does put them in the right place. The new folder structure is fantastic. I just wish it had made its mind up to either use it or not use it and um, let me automatically update it. But uh, I'm going to have to drag and drop and then delete. So uh, I could be at it for a while. So mine were major problems. What were yours? Mine were actually more niggles. Um, in the iTunes store, you know, when you, you go to the page for an, an individual app and on the right hand side, you've got a, a column uh, which is usually a description of, of what the app is all about. And there might be a link at the bottom to the developer's website and stuff like that. Well, the text, and it's it's been like this for a while, I noticed it in iTunes 8, but the text is truncated. You've got to actually make iTunes quite wide even on a 24-inch monitor, to actually see it. Yeah, um, I've seen that on they mine. They still haven't fixed that. There's no scroll bar either. No, there isn't. I would expect no. a scroll bar in those circumstances, but there's no scroll bar. So the only thing you can do is just keep widening and widening and widening iTunes. Yeah. Another one that I found was uh, if you're in album view, um, you do a search, for example, uh, ABBA or Gombe Dance Band or something like that. <laughs> I'm saying nothing. <laughs> 
Um, and stay in album view, you actually end up with a list. So it switches the view to a list view. So then you've got to click list view and then album view to get the album view or click the same button again. Now, I think it was like that in version eight as well. So it, again, it's it's not something new, but it's something that uh, is a niggle that they've not fixed. You see, I wouldn't probably have noticed that, but for the fact I was trying to sort out why these songs weren't in the right order. And um, it did take me through to list view. And I'm looking, thinking, well, you're telling me I'm in album view, but I'm clearly not. I'm in list view. Um, so I, I clicked on list view. And obviously the view didn't change. But when I clicked back, it changed me back to album view. So like you're saying, and then I decided, well, if I'm in album view already, well, you think I am, but I'm not. I'm in list view. And I just click the same button again. And that's ridiculous. And something that doesn't affect me directly, but uh, it's worth mentioning because we've discussed it before. But iTunes 9 now disables the pre's ability to sync its music player with uh, the, uh, the Apple stuff doesn't surprise me in the slightest it's a sort of how's it how's it feeling this week is it a yes is it a no and this week it's a no i'm not surprised with that at all it's definitely a cat and mouse game isn't it it is but to make your week complete uh, you had to work on a windows machine as well didn't you is it surprising i was ill in the end oh that was the fault of the bbc i was trying to play an old audio stream now when i say old it was only 2002 it wasn't prehistoric um, it was in real player format, so I had the real player installed and um, it didn't want to know. So it told me I had to download a component and install it, which I did. Then it told me I needed Rosetta, so I sorted that out. And then when I actually came to play it, it came back and said, oh, you need to download this. And so it went on in a vicious circle. About five goes I gave it and then, um, nope, I had to borrow your MacBook, didn't I? You did, but, uh, you know, that's not a real Windows machine. Uh, I should bring my Vista laptop home and make you really suffer. Oh, yeah, but I, I did have to suffer Windows XP under Fusion. Anyway, it won't happen again. Uh, don't tell anyone. I audio hijacked the piece in case I needed to listen again. Good thinking. Uh, not just a pretty face. Now, as promised, how did a software update almost cause domestic strife here at MacBytes HQ? Well, hot on the heels of iTunes 9 and uh, iPhone 3.1 was OS 10 10.6.1. And with Elaine not feeling too well and taking to a sickbed, I decided that I'd uh, update her iMac. Well, seemed a good idea at the time. Famous last words. Mm. Well, once I successfully installed the update, I then set about running the applications that she has running all the time. Covering your tracks, you mean? Exactly. Well, I ran mail only to find that the 10.6.1 update had broken mail acton and mail tags. And uh, knowing that I was in big trouble, I tweeted for help. Yes, dear Twitter followers, you were all in cahoots with him, weren't you? Well, luckily for me, the developers of the two apps had brought out updates by the next day. But for a few hours, my life was probably not worth living. Not that you'd have gone spare with me or anything, would you, dear? No, of course not. Not much. Gritted teeth. <clears throat> Let's move on. You mean unless you get away with it? Mm. Fair enough. I should get you later. Well, feedback and comments. So thank you for all of those who uh, joined us last Wednesday for the Apple, Apple event. We did have great fun. Well, in the absence of mind-blowing toys from Apple, we made our own entertainment at least. And... Um, as we mentioned last week, Jane was one of the winners of our BusyCal competition. And um, we don't pre-warn winners. Oh, no, no. No spoiling the surprise. So um, as it turned out, Jane was listening to MacBytes and um, got over excited, which incidentally, you all should, um, when she heard she'd won. So um, much whooping it up. Oh, 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 she's won. Uh, awoke Mr. Jane. So, um, hello to Mr. Jane. Now, I'm reliably informed you're really called John. But to me, you will be forever Mr. Jane. So, um, hi to you. And it's good to have you along as a listener. Jane informs me she will ensure that you suffer this episode. Yeah, hi, John. It uh, sounds like we both have to suffer girl geeks, doesn't it? You love me, really. You know you do. Of course. Anyway, on to events and um, apologies to those who are planning to attend our photo makeover on Thursday. I was sick and it had nothing to do with using Windows. Well, I don't think it did. But anyway, we will rearrange it and uh, we will let you know when. 
Uh, I'm hoping to be recovered enough to attend this week's live event, which is the 17th of September. And it's a social, a real meetup. And uh, it'll be a chance to meet people in person. We will be at the Old Pelican Inn, which is on the A56 on the Sale Timperley border. And um, we've got people attending from a few groups that we run. Now, according to the show notes I'm looking at, it says that Mike will be wearing my MacBytes T-shirt. <clears throat> no, Mike will be wearing my MacBytes T-shirt. Well, if you want to wear mine, that could be interesting. But uh, contrary to last week's comment, he won't have a carnation. You might need a carnation to cover your modesty. Anyway, anyway, there you go. So hope you can all join us, or at least some of you can join us. Might be a little bit far from Oz, but you'll be with us in spirit, both of you. So um, hopefully we'll get a good turnout. We might even do some audio while we're there. What do you think? Yeah, that's a good idea. Ah. Yeah, why not? Well, that's it for this week's uh, episode of Mac Bites. And as always, we'd love to hear from you. So please send us your questions and comments and queries by email. You can get us at macbitesuk at gmail.com. And we also have a contact form on the website. So you can contact us through that as well, macbites.co.uk. If you want to keep up to date with what we're doing, you can go to the website or you can go to twitter.com slash macbites. And if you want to follow me personally on Twitter, you can get me at twitter.com slash thomasmike. And you can follow me at twitter.com slash Elaine Giles. So until the next time, this has been Mike and Elaine bringing you Macbites. Goodbye and see you next time. Goodbye. <laughs>